0: the accidental engineer
1: hello and welcome pat of the accidental engineer and today on the show we have zach dean Mayer, data science director at data robot in boston who is also the creator of a few data science courses at data camp so zach thanks so much for being here uh could you start by telling us a little bit about yourself
0: yeah I'm Zach Dean-Mayer, I'm a director of data science here at DataRobot, where I've been working for about three and a half years building automation-focused data science. Prior to this, I worked at another startup here in Boston, also doing data science and machine learning. Uh, Before that, I worked at a management consulting firm doing data science. And then before that, I worked in energy consulting. So I kind of got into data science by a somewhat odd path. I actually studied ecology and mathematics in school. And then kind of my first job out of school, I got into an econometrics job at an energy consulting firm doing like linear regression modeling for electric load forecasting. And so it wasn't really called data science back then. Like like it was just, you know, uh, a job out of school. And yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, at that time, you know, data science was just uh, gaining popularity as a term. Uh, I, I believe it was coined, you know, sometime around 2009. But yeah, that's a really interesting path. Can I ask uh, what led you to uh, choosing to study ecology and math?
0: Yeah. So let's see. I took biology in high school and that was my favorite science class. Um, And I was always interested in science. And so I said, "Okay, let's major in ecology in college. Like I took some ecology classes. I enjoyed them. And that's why I decided to study. So I I wasn't like really thinking about a job or a career after college at the time. I was just taking classes I enjoyed and kind of ended up majoring in a topic where I'd taken a lot of classes. And and actually kind of, you know, it was sort of funny, like, after college ended, all of my friends had gotten jobs before they graduated. And that hadn't even occurred to me as a thing to try to do until, you know, I had my diploma in my hand and thought, what's next?
1: (laughs) Yeah. So what did you think about your career when you, uh, in your first role, when you mentioned you were running a bunch of linear regressions?
0: Yeah. So, uh, at the time, so I, I'd, I'd taken a few stats classes. I actually minored in math and basically I moved out to San Francisco with my girlfriend at the time. Uh, my wife now she had a job lined up with teach for America in Oakland. Uh, she kind of had, you know, her next two years planned out and I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> um, and so, uh, I did a couple of like odd internships and random things um, and I kind of just spent like three or four months looking for a full-time position in San Francisco. And I eventually found one at a consulting firm where, you know, as lots of consulting firms do, they, they hire people from, you know, somewhat, uh, quantitative backgrounds. So I, I'd majored in math or minored in math. So that, that kind of counted to do data analytics projects, basically. And so this consulting firm I happened to end up at was an energy consulting firm.
1: Cool. So, um, What's an example of one of the projects that you worked on at that time?
0: Yeah, so we would do electric load forecasting for uh, electric utilities. Um, So we would get like, you know, five to 10 years worth of hourly data. And we would produce a forecast that would say, all right, for every hour of the next year, here's how much, you know, uh, electric load we expect this utility will need to meet. Um, and we do that for different scenarios, like, like you know, what if it's a really hot year versus what if it's a really cold year? Got it.
1: Yeah, well, that's definitely a perfect application of data science. How did that lead you into uh, your role at DataRobot today?
0: Yeah, so um, let's see. So after we lived in the Bay Area for two years, uh, my wife and I moved back to Boston, um, where I continued to work for energy consulting firms doing very similar kinds of work. However, a lot of those consulting firms I looked at, I worked at, um, were very focused on like traditional econometrics and statistics. And so around the time I moved back to Boston, I also started um, competing in machine learning competitions on Kaggle. And that's where I would really say I I first kind of got my first taste of like real data science and first got introduced to machine learning. Um, and, And I loved it. It was amazing. It was fascinating. It was like a completely different way of of looking at how to solve problems with data. And so I started doing a lot of Kaggle competitions in my free time outside of work and learning these, you know, languages like R and Python um, and the machine learning packages in them. And eventually went on to get a job using that. But so I definitely, I started out like outside of work, learning it on my own, just because I was fascinated with it. Um eventually I started pulling some of those skills into my job at the consulting firm. So eventually, you know, at the management consulting firm I worked at, um I actually was doing data science because I was I was I was taking the skills I'd learned outside of work and trying to apply them to the problems I was facing at work. That's really cool.
1: And that must have had a huge impact on the work that you were doing.
0: Yes, yeah, so early in my career, I took the time to learn a programming language. Um, and I think that's that's more expected of like people in an analyst level now than it used to be. But, you know, at least 10 years ago, that was a pretty big competitive advantage for me because, you know, even then I was very interested in automation. Like I think automation is a common thread that runs through my entire career path. But even then I, I could figure out ways to take a problem that say I was solving with, you know, and I think everyone's familiar with the the giant Excel sheet with with like, you know, hundreds of thousands of formulas. And, and it's like, you know, following one thread through seven different sheets can be can be an experience. Absolutely. Um, and and I, I had a lot of situations where I could take an Excel sheet like that, sort of think about the big problem it was trying to solve, like the calculation it was trying to accomplish, um, and then rewrite it as say, you know, 50 lines of R code, um, that Mm -hmm. would do the same thing, but in a more modular and repeatable manner. So you could take, you know, the R code and tweak one part of it and look at the output and then go back to the old version of it, you know, fairly easy. And, 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 and like, it gives you, you know, it gives you a better way to automate a lot of those data science workflows. And so at the time I started, like everyone, you know, there's a lot of, of, of analytical work that was being done in Excel. Um, I think that's less true now because, you know, more people are realizing that, that programming is a better way to solve these sorts of problems.
1: Yeah, definitely. So you were essentially using programming in the beginning to automate your job. Uh, you made your uh, job more efficient and then that kind of opened up more time for you to do more interesting things?
0: Yes, absolutely. And, and so that's the thing. It's like, Uh, you know, I get this Excel sheet and like my job would be all right, you got a a week to to fix the calculation. And it'd be like, you know, when you replace that with an R script, it's not like you've got a a week to fix the calculation. It's like it takes you five seconds to change one line of code. And now the calculation is updated. Um, And so that like frees up a week of your time to instead of fighting with Excel, you know, focus on on, like the real problems of your job. So like, for example, okay, we've updated the calculation, but the results still don't look right. Let's think about the problem we're trying to solve or the data we're putting it into, or like, what does the client, you know, really want here? They don't just want an updated calculation. Um, they want a new way of thinking about this. And so it, it it's like you take, you know, a lot of that drudgery out where you're like fighting with Excel and, and you can focus more on like, Uh, You know, is my client happy? Or, you know, if you're an analyst in a new job, is my boss happy? You know, what's the problem we're really trying to solve here? You know, what can I add as a human instead of an Excel monkey?
1: Definitely. I think that for myself in my career, that's how I found uh, so much of my interest to develop in programming, just seeing how valuable it could be in terms of just automating all this work that I didn't want to do in Excel. Yeah, exactly. Um, Exactly. (laughs) Like it really sucks. It's boring. Yeah. (laughs) So it just made my life so much easier. And then I had time to do the really interesting stuff, you know, some of the more uh, advanced modeling that helped us solve problems in a much more developed framework. Uh, so I think that was uh, really valuable and a really great entryway into the field.
0: Yeah, I, I would, I would totally agree with that. And, and, and honestly, I think it's a good way to think about um, the field right now, like, like automation in data science, you know, is best applied to the, the sorts of problems that humans aren't, aren't even very good <laughs> at anyway to begin with. Um, you know, and, and, and it's a good attitude to have, like, like find the boring parts of, of, you know, what you're doing at your job or what your company is doing and figure out a way to automate them. So humans don't have to do them. Um, right. and that, like that, that, freeze up those humans to work on, you know, much more interesting and also, you know, much more challenging things. Definitely. And that's, that's sort
1: of what DataRobot does, right? So for those who aren't so familiar with DataRobot, can you tell us a little bit about uh, what the company does?
0: Yeah. So uh, we're a data science automation platform. Um, We build a product called DataRobot. It's a web app um, and it basically does automated model fitting, model search, model validation. It you know does grid search and tuning for all your models. It does ensembling, um, but it kind of it it takes like all of the best practices for for predictive modeling and machine learning, and it automates them to the point where you can put in a data set, um, select your target, and get out the other end um, very good models. That's really cool. Yeah, it's 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 an incredible product. And it automates, you know, all of the parts of machine learning that I wasn't very good at as a data scientist, like, <laughs> you know, remembering um, which parameters of XGBoost to set to what settings to get the best results. Um, and, and what DataRobot kind of does is like it remembers that, but for all of the algorithms. And so... You know, you might be an XGBoost specialist, but then when you hit a problem where a linear regression model is really the best approach, um, you might not quite remember, you know, the best practices for representing data for a linear model versus an XGBoost model um, versus something else. Um, And what DataRobot does is you can kind of take all of that implicit knowledge that, you know, different specialists in one kind of model have and put them all in one place, basically. Um, that sounds like it's really useful. It's incredibly useful. And, and what it does is it lets you as, you know, not even a data scientist, as, as a, a, a person with data who has a problem that they want to solve, it lets you focus on what data you have and what the problem is you want to solve. Um, and so, you know, rather than spending like many months building one model, data Robot lets you build many models a day. And so you can look at a data set and say, cool, data Robot can build a really good model for this problem. And then you can think about now, how do I operationalize that model? How do I take this model and make decisions from it? Like what kind of business process can I build around this model? And like, that's a much bigger and more challenging problem than how do I build a model and it's honestly the problem that like, as a human, you need to be thinking about, you know, how does this model impact my business? And, and no computer can answer that for you. Um, you know, that's your job. You're you're the person who's the expert at what you're doing in your business. Um, and you should be thinking about models as a tool for changing your business, not models as uh, an end purpose in and of themselves.
1: Right. So it sounds like the data robot product does a lot in terms of automating tasks that a data scientist may not want to do or uh, certain things that a data scientist might not be as great at doing. So what would you say to somebody who is concerned that maybe automation might kind of take over certain data science jobs?
0: Um, Yeah. So what I would say to that person is, especially if you are thinking about what skills you need to learn you know, to prepare yourself for for the future. I, I mean, I say to all of those people and everyone I talk to who's interested in data science that, that you know, you really need to be learning engineering skills. Um, I see data science is, is very much moving towards a, an engineering discipline. Um, and people who have programming skills, as we already discussed, people who have, you know, an engineering mindset, people who like to build things, those are the kind of people who are going to be really successful, to my view, in the future of data science. And so, you know, I, I think focusing data science very narrowly can be dangerous because, you know, the world is eventually going to shift out from under you. Um, but if you think about data science broadly, data science as as a way of building valuable things, um, there's always going to be demand for that. Um, I really, I don't, I don't see that ever going away. Got it. So
1: what would you say to a data scientist who is looking to learn some engineering skills? What sort of specific skills should that person be looking to improve on or learn?
0: Yeah, so I tell everyone to learn Python. You know, there's this kind of R versus Python debate out there. Uh, I learned R as my first language. I really loved it. Um, I still love it. I still do a lot of work in R. Ultimately, I, I think looking to the future, Python is going to be a really useful language to know. Um, and one reason for that is especially like early in your career, it limits you a little bit less. Like there's a really wide range of jobs out there, um, including non-data science jobs, where Python is an incredibly valuable skill to have. In five years from now, like, like you know, my own career was was in many ways a discovery process about like what kind of jobs were out there and what kinds of things I was good at. And when I started working, I really had no idea where I was going to end up. I had to figure that out. Um, And and so, you know, limiting your options in the future is not a great idea. Like, you should be thinking about what are are tools that give me, like, broadly applicable skills to many different kinds of jobs. Um, And and Python is more of a tool like that. Like, I always recommend people to learn Python. Um, And then I think on top of that, there's... A lot of the, I guess I would call them like sort of softer business skills that that people sometimes neglect to think about, but just things like, you know, public speaking, presenting, um, being able to communicate effectively, like, you know, whether you're a data scientist or a software engineer or a project manager or any other kinds of positions that you could aspire to have one day, you know, being able to communicate effectively is, is incredibly important. Right. And that's
1: definitely something that automation can't take over. It's uh, those soft skills that uh, a data scientist really offers value in terms of right. being able to solve problems and communicate them to different audiences.
0: Right, right. So like, you know, anybody, I mean, not anybody, there, there are many, many people out there who can build good predictive models. Um, but, you know, I used to work at a consulting firm and, and a big part of what we did was predictive modeling but that was never the hard part of the job. The hard part of a job was, was like figuring out how to use the model effectively and then convincing all of the different people in the IT organization and in the business organization and in all the other organizations that, that the solution you built was the correct one. And, you know, going and finding those naysayers who are like, no, this machine learning thing isn't going to work. And like figuring out what they didn't like about it, you know, and, and, and like, You know that's another way of thinking about this. Like, there's a lot of people out there who see data science itself as a threat to their jobs. You know, so data science automation, it's it's like the wrong way of looking at it. Like, you've got to think about, you know, what are the people out there who aren't data scientists, and and how does what you're doing impact them, and how can you make sure that like, you know, the model you're building uh, or the product you're building around the model is is going to serve you know their needs as a non-data scientist. Definitely. I don't know if that makes any sense. No, it
1: definitely <laughs> does. I mean, data science is such a, a broad field. People come from all types of backgrounds. And I think that it just kind of shows you that's the reason why um, on a day-to-day basis, one data scientist you know, working at DataRobot might really differ from the work that a data scientist at another company would be working on. So, Yeah,
0: that's totally true.
1: So for you, how would you describe what kind of work uh you do at DataRobot and what your day to day looks like
0: uh yeah so um my day to day work at data robot um is it's very much engineering focused data science work we're we're trying to build a data science product and and i think that differs a fair bit from uh other data science organizations out there. Um, but I think in the future, more and more data science organizations are are going to become engineering organizations. Um, so, I mean, on a day-to-day basis, you know, I will be using, we've got like a bug tracker and we've got a feature tracker internally. Um, so I'll be picking up tasks that are either, you know, a bug to fix. And even as the director of data science, like there are still bugs that need to be fixed and almost every day I'm working on a bug. Um, as well as like particular features that we're working on. I'll choose a task to work on. I'll usually write Python code to either fix a bug um, or, you know, implement a new feature. Um, I'll use Git to track that code and the work that I do and, you know, um, look at how what I've, you know, done has changed the code base that we're working in. Um, and then I'll use GitHub as a, a code review system. Um, so basically I've written a bunch of Python code. Um, I'm happy with that, how it looks. I'll use GitHub's pull request mechanism to say, okay, you know, internally, here's some feedback I'd like to get from the other engineers at DataRobot on, you know, how to improve the code that I've I've written. And and like, I think it's a really effective way to do engineering. It's also a really effective way to do data science. Like, like GitHub's pull requests are a really... Efficient way to solicit feedback on your work in like a really constructive way. Like people can look at the code you've written and say, "Hey, have you thought about doing it a different way here?" And you can say, "Geez, yeah, um, that didn't even occur to me last night at you know 11 p.m. when I was writing this, but you're totally right. There's a better way to do this."
1: Yeah, that's really cool. Um, GitHub is a, a has been a really amazing tool for myself as well. I've thought that um, soliciting feedback through it. Uh, has really helped me uh, make sure I don't look over anything. So as a collaborative tool with other data scientists, it's been really useful. Uh, Is there any part of your job that you don't find as fun?
0: Yeah, I mean, so, you know, fixing bugs is almost never that fun. There is a surprisingly large amount of just like boring stuff that has to get done. Um, and, and even, you know, fairly far into my career, I still spend a large amount of time doing that. Like, like, you know, it's a lot easier to get my team to work on fixing bugs if they see me also fixing bugs. Um, you know, and, and so that helps us, you know, we've got a great product. It's got a relatively low bug rate. And part of that is, you know, we take bugs really seriously. Um, and we're always working on them. And even the most senior engineers in our engineering organization who are managing, you know, many other engineers spend a lot of their time, like, demonstrating through their actions that, that bugs are important and should be taken seriously.
1: Yeah, I think that's a, it's a really great point to bring up. I think that there's a misconception that, you know, data scientists are spending a lot of their time building really cool models and solving problems all the time. But I don't think it's always as glamorous uh, as that. Yeah. There are certain things that you have to do, like squashing bugs, uh, that you don't really want to do, but you have to.
0: Right, and that that's completely true. And and like I would even go as far as to say as, as as no job is as glamorous as it seems from the outside. Um, uh, if it was glamorous, you wouldn't get paid to do it. <laughs> you know, that's a great point. Uh, on, on the inside, like it's. It's work. That's why they call it work. Uh, you know, you have to be willing to work hard. And and actually, like I I think fundamentally, that's a thing that has made DataRobot as a company very successful. Is we we really have an ethos of of working really hard on what's necessary to get done. Um, and and I think you know if you look at any successful business, there are people in it who are focused on. On what needs to happen and getting it done, and even if it's not fun things to get it done, uh, making something important happen is 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 a you know a worthwhile goal in and of itself. And there's a certain feeling of satisfaction you get when you do something worthwhile. That even if getting there was was somewhat tedious at times, you know sometimes you need to do tedious work to get a great result.
1: Yeah, and I also think that it's more rewarding when you know that you've put in all this work, work that you didn't want to, but you pushed forward and were able to accomplish something really great.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean it's totally true. Like another example of that is like, you know, the data camp class I made, it was not fun to make. Um like making sure I sat down for 2 hours, you know, every single weekend for almost a year and and worked on my data camp stuff instead of hanging out with my wife like that wasn't fun. Um, you know, she wanted me to do the course. So she, you know, let me make the time for it. And, you know, it was on weekends. And so, you know, I made the time for it, but it was a commitment. It was a lot of hard work. Um, and the end result is something I'm, I'm you know, I'm quite proud of. Um, but like getting there was not in any way a fun process.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know?
0: And sometimes you have to get through that in order to build something. Um, you yeah. have to get through a lot of just making yourself do work. Um and, and I think that ties back into like advice I give to people who want to get into data science is if if you're willing to work hard, if you're willing to be that person who who goes and just like helps get what the necessary things are done, you know, if if you're not the person who's in the meeting saying, Man, that's just gonna be hard to do, if you're the person who's like, you know, well, how do we get started doing it? Like that's a really good way to early in your career get initial success, get your foot in the door at a company, like just just build yourself a reputation as someone who like gets stuff done.
1: Yeah, I think that's really great advice for aspiring data scientists. I think that that's something that you can do
0: in your current job. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So like, you know, let's say that there's some project that involves a boatload of data entry at your current job and nobody ever wants to be the data entry person. You know, and, and if you volunteer and you just buckle down for a couple hours every single day and you crank through some data entry problem and build suddenly a valuable data set that didn't exist without your hard work, um, you'll have built up a little bit of, of credibility when you say, Hey, and I want to do an analysis of this data set, or here's my analysis of this data set, or here's a cool model I built, you know, while I was cranking through all this data entry, um. And, and people will appreciate you doing something that, that no one else really wanted to do. And so, you know, that can be a way to, at your current job, start to pull in, if, you know, if you look for opportunities, some of these data science skills that you want to be using more at work.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Data science courses online are really amazing because they provide you with all the data on hand and, uh, you know, you get to get your hands dirty and start modeling right away. Right. But the the thing about that is that that's usually not how the job works. Um, exactly. there's a lot of data cleaning that's involved before you get to do the fun right, stuff. Right, right,
0: and and it's not just data cleaning. It's getting the data. It's going down and like you know finding you know Jen, the mythical person who you've never met who who manages some inventory spreadsheet that's got all the necessary information and 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 you know convincing her that you're a trustworthy person to email her life's work you know in the form <laughs> of an Excel file to. And there's all that kind of like human relationship stuff that goes into just getting the data that you need. And it's like, yeah, man, like, like the modeling <laughs> isn't the hard part of the job.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, so you mentioned your DataCamp course uh, a bit back. Uh, could you talk a little bit about what DataCamp is for those who aren't aware of it?
0: Yeah, so uh, DataCamp is uh, an online education site um, and they basically teach mostly data science focused, but also kind of general programming classes um, in both R and Python. And it's a it's a very cool model. So uh, they have you write code. Most of their classes are very focused on, uh, you know, giving you some instruction by a video and then and then very quickly moving to a set of coding exercises where you write some Python code or R code. Um, and then you get uh, immediate constructive feedback on what's working and what isn't in the code that you're writing. And, and really like the best way to learn how to code is by writing code. Um, and data camp very much focuses on the act of writing code, um, with, you know, supervision on top of you, that, that's looking at the code you wrote and ex- helping explain to you why it isn't working or it is working. Um, so it's, it's a really good place to learn like the basics of R and Python to get over that initial hurdle of like, like, how do I code? And so I've, uh, I've actually got two data camp classes. So I've got an R class um, that uh, I've uh, had on there for a couple of years. And then my Python class um, just launched uh, at the start of this year. Um, And the Python class is is really, uh, it's kind of a labor of love. Like I talked about how much work it was to build earlier, Um, but it's on the Keras package, which is a deep learning package. I really, really love. Um, And it's just, Cool to me because you can take a four hour class and it's just so easy to do some of these really innovative, completely novel deep learning things. And like you hear about it all the time, you read about it all the time. You know, you can go through uh, not too many data camp courses and like actually have an idea of how to do it yourself. And like that's really cool to me. That's really awesome to hear. I think that I would
1: definitely be interested in taking that class myself. I haven't used Keras at all, but I know that it's uh it's a really awesome tool. I've only heard good things about it so um why would uh why would you encourage someone to take that class?
0: yeah, so um I would encourage them to take the class because one uh, I get paid if you take it uh, and that's great for me <laughs> <laughs> um, but two um I really love caris it's a very elegant way of, uh, defining neural networks. Um, I did not understand deep learning or neural networks until I started using Keras. It's a super intuitive way of building those kinds of models. And then that really helps you understand how they work. And so even if you're not going to be doing deep learning as part of your job, um, I still think it's valuable to have an understanding of of how these models work and how they think about the world. And like, there's nothing that's magic, you know, within deep learning. Um, I think there's an XKCD joke about how deep learning is just a pile of linear algebra. Um, And it's really true. Like, like Karis kind of strips away all of the, all of the mystique and, you know, craziness you hear around deep learning and just shows you how, how simple it really is at its core. Um, and you can solve some really interesting problems with that. Um, but, you know, what I love about Keras specifically is, is it's, it's a really flexible way of, of defining models um, that are quite specific to the exact problem you want to solve. Um, and so you can do some really creative things with it that are, that are harder to do with other, um, other types of, of machine learning models. Um, so I love it. The course is called advanced deep learning and Keras with Python. Um, you know, check it out if any of that sounds interesting to you.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I'm sold. So, uh,
0: (laughs) so, uh, that's great to hear. It's also, it's a four hour class, so it's, it's not exactly a huge time commitment. Um, and then, you know, you can email me with what you think of the class after you take it. Uh, and I will respond to emails about the class. I've gotten a few already. Cool.
1: So, you know, how much deep learning do you do, uh, in your job on a day-to-day basis?
0: Um, not a ton. Um, most of my job is focused around engineering. Um, and the kind of funny thing is, is a lot of the, you know, engineering problems I'm trying to solve aren't even directly related to data science. Um, but, you know, as we talked about earlier, they're, they're necessary problems to solve because I have a data science product that I want to deliver to a market. Um, we have deep learning models in data robot um we've actually got a team of deep learning scientists who work on them uh i would say they do a lot of deep learning as part of their day-to-day work they're much better at it than i am um and i mostly just just you know look at the problems they're solving uh you know look at the code that they're writing um i'm not writing a lot of it myself but but there is that work being done at data robot you know i pay attention to it because uh, I'm interested in it. Um, I wouldn't consider myself a great deep learning scientist, but you know, I'm good enough at it that I can teach a course on Keras. Um, I'm maybe not good enough on it to like, you know, build another ResNet or something mm-hmm. like that.
1: And what do you see, uh, what do you see deep learning really providing the most value for practitioners out there?
0: Yeah. So, see so you talk about data science, like sort of like signal to noise ratios. Um, Deep learning really excels at problems where you have lots of signal, um, like where you have like an overwhelming amount of signal, where you're like drowning in signal. Um, so, so where you've got just like a lot of information uh, and, and you're trying to make sense of it. So, so for example, uh, images have a lot of data in them you look at, you know, an image of a dog and there's not a ton of noise in that image. Like, like maybe, you know, 60% of the pixels in that image are of a dog. The problem is there are like a lot of different ways that a thing can look like a dog and you can collect millions of examples of non-identical dogs and, and like, it can be overwhelming to look at all that and say, whoa, how are all of these things similar? So so deep learning is really good at, at taking a problem like that, where there is there is like more signal than you know how to deal with and, and finding a way to structure it and, and make sense of it. Um, deep learning is less powerful uh, in areas where there's a lot of noise. So, for example, there is uh, anyone, especially people who are just learning machine learning, always go out and try to predict the stock market. Unsurprisingly, uh, no machine learning methods are that good at predicting stock movements and uh, you know, deep learning models are especially bad at that, as fun as they sound to try to do.
1: Got it. So for any aspiring data scientists out there, you would recommend that uh, they kind of focus on some of the more fundamental machine learning algorithms before really diving into deep learning?
0: Um yeah, that's generally the advice I give. I, I think deep learning is a good tool to have in your toolbox. I think there's a lot of applications where it makes sense. In general, I say to people, like, like try to become a good engineer, try to learn Python, try to get good at Python. I would say if you're really passionate about things like image recognition, or uh, if you're really passionate about, you know, there's some exciting things going on with language data right now in deep learning. It's never a terrible idea to follow your passion. If you're not especially passionate about, say, images or text, um, you want to be more of a generalist. It's probably safer to learn the the sort of more traditional machine learning frameworks like Scikit Learn. Um, but I mean, honestly, it, it's it's a good idea to start with the basics. I don't think there's much harm in that. And you know, I don't know. Deep learning is really fun. There's a lot of passionate people out there in it regardless of what you're doing, whether you want to be a generalist data scientist or a deep learning practitioner, if you're going to be successful five years from now, you also need to be a good engineer. And so like, that's what I tell people to kind of focus on first, like, like learn your Python software engineering skills and then apply it to like the realm of data science that you're most passionate about.
1: Got it. So I'm assuming that you also uh, help data robot with hiring for data scientists. And so I'm hearing that engineering skills is something that you look for. Are there any other types of skills that uh, you sort of look for or any other um, soft skills like we mentioned uh, yeah. earlier?
0: So we've talked about all of them here, um, but like probably the biggest one is is a willingness to work hard. That's incredibly important here, especially since as a startup, you know, we have a lot of ambition. We want people who are who are willing to work hard. I would say the second thing there is is those soft skills we discussed. So so being an effective communicator is unbelievably important. Like I, that actually might be more important than working hard. If you do a whole bunch of hard work, it doesn't matter if you can't communicate effectively. Um, so those are kind of like, you know, softer skills. Um, the technical skills we look for tend to be more focused on engineering because we're trying to build a product. Um, and then I think honestly, even for people we're hiring on the data science team at this point, like we're looking for for engineers even maybe more than we're looking for people who are expert data scientists. Like, like if you're a really great engineer and, and, uh, uh, you know, an intermediate level data scientist, you can build really cool stuff. Uh, if you're an expert data scientist, but you, you don't know any, you know, software engineering and Python, it's a lot harder for you to go just build a new product on your own, you know? And, and like, I think that ties into like a lot of the frustrations you hear, uh, around data science is, is like, you need to be able to take what you've done and then do something with it. Like you need to be able to make a decision based off your model. And that takes business experience. You need to be able to build your model into a product. And that takes engineering experience. And like, I I think there's a lot of new data scientists out there. And if you want to differentiate yourself, like having really good business knowledge or having really good engineering knowledge is a really excellent way of, of making yourself stand out
1: yeah that's a really great advice, and I think that um you know one thing that a lot of aspiring data scientists might consider is going to one of these data science boot camps. They've sort of exploded in popularity, but one thing that I constantly question is whether it's actually valuable enough to um put up the uh, the high cost of entering one of these programs. What's your opinion on that
0: yeah so I am somewhat skeptical of data science boot camps. Uh, I've got you know a friend who runs a data science boot camp. So to me, I, I see more value in engineering boot camps. Um, and the reason I see value is is there's a lot of engineering skills that you can learn that that like we discussed will be practical for many years to come. Will be will be applicable in in many different fields. The Issue I have with data science boot camps is, is that you're not learning a lot of those engineering skills. You're you're focusing on the modeling process. Um, and my advice to people, like I had a friend who wanted to get into data science, and he was considering a boot camp. Um, and, and ultimately, the advice I gave him, which I, I felt was good, and I think has worked out for him, was to try to to learn data science on his own outside of work and then to pull that knowledge into his current job in, in a way that was useful. And I think that in a lot of cases that will lead to a better outcome than a data science bootcamp. Cause one, you you keep your job and you can pay the rent while you're doing it. Yeah. Um, but then two, it, it also, it, it focuses like your education on on where I think the biggest problem is, which is like, how do I apply this to real problems? And that's, that's way more difficult. So starting in an environment where like you already know what the problems are and, and then trying to figure out how to apply data science to them, like that's going to set you up better for success. Like You can figure out, man, you know, we've really got this pain point with uh, uh, targeting customers for whatever. Maybe I could build a model that would help us target customers better. And since you have a lot of knowledge about, about what you've tried in the past and why it has or hasn't worked, you're, you're going to be more successful there because you already work there. You know, the other strategy that you can do is you can look for a company that's doing really exciting data science stuff and then look for job openings where you can apply your current skill set, you know, in accounting or project management or business analytics or whatever it is. Um, And companies that are doing a lot of data science, if you can come in and contribute to real problems they have and get work done, you can also use that as a way to pull data science into your everyday work.
1: Yeah, that's really awesome advice. I think that that's sort of a strategy that I took when I uh, was on the path to becoming a data scientist myself. So I think that finding a company that allows you to be able to practice data science uh, is a really great pathway into the field. Yeah, I would agree with that. You also mentioned Kaggle competitions as as a way that you kind of fell into data science and got involved with it. So is that something that you would also recommend to aspiring data scientists?
0: Uh, Yes, I I definitely would. Um, So I think, you know, Kaggle's got some problems. You know, one of them is you're usually given a really nice, clean data set to start with. And that's, you know, never the starting point in the real world. Um, Never. (laughs) Never. Yeah. But uh, I mean, I I learned a lot of what I know about data science on Kaggle. There's a really great community there. There's a lot of good education to be had there. Um, you know, uh, a, a friend of mine, a former coworker of mine, um, Dan Becker, is is teaching a bunch of of data science classes on Kaggle now, and he's got some excellent deep learning classes. If if that's what you're passionate about, um, he certainly is, and he's a great teacher. So there, there's a there's a really good data science community on Kaggle, and it also it it gives you a chance to start to prove that like. What you're learning, uh, you can apply to real world problems. Because even though the data sets you get tend to be kind of clean and you're, you're starting from a little bit of an artificial starting point, um, you're still at least demonstrating that you can take some real data and solve a real problem. And then you can self evaluate it on how your solution stacks up against like a few other thousand data scientists. And like that can be a really humbling experience. Um, but it, it's, you know, it's it's a good place to learn. Uh, the competitive aspect of it makes it fun. Um, competition like can give you a drive to do to do some of that, you know, as we talked about, really tedious work that sometimes goes into data science. And so it's, it's uh, I would say Kaggle is a good learning tool. Like if if you've taken some data camp classes, you know, try your skills out on Kaggle and, and see how you stack up against the best in the world. And and then, you know, that starts to let you know, like, do you know what you're doing or not when it comes to data science? So to
1: sort of sum up your advice for any aspiring data scientists, learn a programming language like Python, yep. uh, enroll in, in both your data camp classes. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Yes, please. Um, try to find a company or try to find some work in your own company, your current company, uh, to apply some of the things that you've been learning. Yep. And then if not, then you can try to find a company that does allow you to, to do that yeah other than that, it's really just about um making things happen on your own, so yep. really just taking initiative and uh, either building a solution to something or uh you know building an entire product
0: yeah so I think right. that's
1: uh all really amazing advice <laughs> thank you is there <laughs> um is there anything else that uh you'd like to share uh in regards to that
0: um not really. I, I think, you know, I, I'm just I'm thinking about our conversation. One thing that you said really, you know, resonates with me that when we we're discussing just how unglamorous a lot of data science jobs are when you actually look at their day to day. Um and that's something I really want to emphasize. Like like data science isn't gonna be a, a magic path to career heaven. Um it can be really interesting work, but but any job anywhere you know, in order to be successful, you have to be willing to work hard and you're not always going to be working on, on things that are, you know, the most fun possible thing you could be doing. You make time out of work to, to do fun things like Kaggle.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yep, absolutely. And I would definitely follow that advice. So I think we're about out of time here, but, um, I really want to thank you for uh, joining us on the Accidental Engineer today. And I want to encourage anyone out there to check out uh, your DataCamp courses. Your latest one is called Advanced Deep Learning with Keras and Python. And what was the other one called
0: again? The other one is called the Machine Learning Toolbox on DataCamp.
1: Okay, got it. Awesome. So, Zach, thanks so much for being here again. This has been a really interesting conversation. So uh, thanks so much.
0: Yeah, thank you for having me. For more, visit us on iTunes or our website at theaccidentalengineer.com.